Hello, my name is Teodoro Mephilopoulos, more commonly known as Teo. I'm a sort of investor, entrepreneur, self-starter, whatever you want to call it. Um, but my story kind of starts um, in Italy. Uh, I was born in Rome, uh, raised there. My father is an ambassador, so I was uh, uprooted from Italy at a young age and moved to Africa. How early? Uh, I was about one. So okay. I, lived, I lived in Rome, and I mean, obviously, I don't, I don't remember anything, but um, I remember I remember Zimbabwe. We moved to Harare at the time, mm -hmm. and uh, we were posted there for about four years. So kind of the tail end of that, I have some memories, and if I see pictures, I kind of kind of some things spark. But uh, after that, we had to move to Madagascar. We were pretty much ousted, in case uh, people don't know. There was a dictator in Zimbabwe. Oh, wow. uh, known as Mugabe, so we were um, we were essentially kicked out. I mean, we didn't have an option. Regardless, moved to Madagascar for a bit, uh, and at that point, we moved back to Italy. So after about three years in Madagascar, we moved back to Rome, um, and that I do remember. Uh, but you're still relatively young at this. Yeah, point. so I was about seven and a half, eight, um, uh, pushing more eight, and I went. I did a year uh, in Italy of schooling. And at that point, when you grow up in a family, when you who your father is an ambassador, kind of this political realm, it's very hard to keep a family unit. Um, so there started being some tensions in the family. Some things weren't working out so well. So my parents decided to get a divorce, but very amicable, so to speak. They kept on good terms. Um, and at the time, my parents decided to try to move to Austin. Um, so as to, you know, kind of this new opportunity, come to the States, help me kind of uh, grow up because they'd always wanted me to be able to, to be able to go to university in America. Right. Um, and after some, after we moved to Austin for some time there, it just wasn't working out. So it, they decided to get an official divorce and my dad then moved to India, but that gave me the opportunity to be able to really take advantage of the traveling aspect of it, right? So I would uh, I would be lucky enough for spring break, Christmas break, anything like that, I'd be able to fly, go visit him, spend some time there, and come back to Austin and have kind of my like normal life here. Um, and I think that was, to this day, one of the biggest things that shaped me. When you, when you travel a lot and you see so many different parts of the world and you have these experiences in this different culture, it kind of leads you to uh, to live a very, I think, different life in some sense. You can, How so? You kind of start realizing that there's um, there's like big problems in the world, right? And right. I feel like when you stay in a place for too long, those things kind of become obscure to you. Sounds like perspective. Yeah, yeah. To some extent, perspective. I mean, it goes hand in hand. I think with being open minded to some extent. I think you're much more accepting. I don't know the exact reason. I don't think there's any reason in particular. But I've always noticed um, with a lot of people in this similar community when you know. You have your friends who every four years are uprooted as well and move. You become so used to it and you think it's a normal thing to do that maybe, you know, at such a young age, you're like, oh, yeah, this is this is the way to go. Like, this is normal. But um, you realize that's really not the normal thing to do, you know, moving so frequently. And, and when I came to Austin and kind of was able to call this base for a significant amount of time, I started realizing that not all my friends here were saw it that same way. And so yeah, I, I really struggled with that at the beginning. All right. So you're how old when you're in Austin now? So moved to Austin. I was about nine and a half. Okay. Ten. So what grade is that? 
Oh, that's a that great question. Um, yeah. Almost was that school. middle school? Somewhere around there. Anyways. You know, I don't remember because I moved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I did like a, I did. Well, I had to repeat a year, but I did a sixth grade in elementary school because my elementary school like had a sixth grade. Okay. And then I went to middle school for seventh and eighth. So I kind of got it. Screwed up. So around middle there. school. Yeah. You're in Austin. What does it yep. look like from there? Uh, well, it was. Uh, first of all, coming to the states, uh, one thing that people don't realize is. I already spoke English. I always went to like the American or the British school because they followed the curriculum, the American curriculum most closely. So I didn't really have struggles, any issues with the language. Um, I wasn't very good at reading or writing it. So I, that's why I was held back a year to, to kind of try to recuperate that. But um, I came here. Middle school was kind of a blur, really insignificant. Um, I think that's kind of everyone's middle school years. Pretty much. Yeah, nothing that exciting. Um, and then for high school, we moved up to North Austin so I could do this uh, IB program. It's an international baccalaureate, something like that. And the idea was it would just give uh, you an opportunity to uh, study abroad if you wanted to, right, for college. So um, my parents did want me to go to university in America, but they didn't want to impose that on me. So they made me do this program so that if I did want to go back to Europe or Italy or anywhere, really, this program qualifies you as a candidate. Um, and high school, you know, high school was interesting. Um, I went into it, again, since I moved, I didn't really know anybody. Uh, but, you know, I was quick to make friends. I played soccer there. I think high school was, was a typical high school experience. You, know, yeah. you had your group of friends. Pretty normal. Yeah, pretty normal. Nothing exciting for the first few years. Towards the tail end of it is really when my whole entrepreneurial career kind of started. Um, I got this crazy idea. I've always been very, like, design-oriented and love fashion. And so uh, me and a friend kind of started designing some shirts. And uh, we designed these shirts. Uh, at the, one of them was like a senior uh, shirt. And then we had another one that uh, that was just like a, a Texas Proud shirt. Mm -hmm. And uh, we made 300 of them, 350 of them, and came to the cafeteria one day and kind of just like put down this big bucket with all the shirts, thinking we would sell a few, right? Um, and we sold out in like two days. Wow. Yeah. All yeah, 300. All 300, yeah. Okay. It was like a day and a half. And... From that point, that was like the first thing I've ever done that I always say like really started the kind of whole entrepreneurial craze, right? This, yeah, this idea of like constant creation. Yeah, exactly. Mm. So uh, that was really interesting. And off of that, we kind of developed into into different ideas and into uh, into a brand eventually, which is where we are today. But um, So what brand did that? Yeah, so it, yeah. Started, it started, I guess, as a few. First, we started as a custom t-shirting, a custom t-shirt uh, business, and it was mm. called Teo's Tees. And this was still in high school? This was still in high school, yeah. Okay. So it became nice. a legal corporation, became an LLC in high school still, which I think is a crazy experience to file that kind of stuff yeah. when you're in high school because you don't know sure. anything about taxes. Right. You don't know anything about um, But at that point, we stuck strictly to making custom shirts, right? So for like soccer events or sororities or fraternities, all these kind of things, that's when we did them. Mm -hmm. um, and I never really thought about starting a clothing line because – I think that's that's really a hassle. It's a lot of work, and I mean, it's a lot of responsibility. Of um, and then in college, that's really when kind of it diverted, so to speak. So mm -hmm. we we kept uh, Teo's Tees as the legal name, but we we did a business as Vibe, um, and so we started our own clothing line called Vibe. But we never fully shut down the custom T-shirt uh, prints because it when you do bulk orders, that's really where where you see your hefty money. Right. You know, when you're printing six, 700 shirts, that's what you want. When you're selling an individual shirt and doing a clothing line, it's like, yeah, your, your markup's 50%, but it's nothing. Right. It's nothing like out of this world. Um, 
And well, anyway, not to jump ahead, I, I went to university in Iowa, Iowa State. Um, and yeah, I mean, recently graduated. So what, what made you go from Austin, Texas to yeah, Iowa? God, it was such an interesting decision. Um, so I had a few offers and I didn't want to go to any West coast schools or any East coast schools. Uh, I thought to some extent, I don't know why I'm always against like mainstream ideas. And I saw all my friends going there and then I saw the rest of my friends staying in Texas. Right. And Iowa state was the first school that did accept me. Um, and I remember I was kind of like, I want to try something new, like something that a place maybe where I wouldn't necessarily live again, right? Definitely and, Iowa. Yeah, definitely Iowa, right? Because California, New York, you always assume, you're like, I'll end up someday at one of those places. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, it's, they're big cities, so you go there. Iowa, no. Like, no one stops in Iowa, you know, unless you're, you're driving through to go to Canada or something. Yeah, and see, that's a really unique perspective on that, because most people would be like, well, just gonna go yeah. to california even if i end up living there but you're like well i'll never have a chance to go to iowa yeah that i just never really saw a purpose to end up back in iowa if that makes yeah sense. other than your college experience yeah exactly okay so you go to iowa i i go to iowa yeah I, well i accept iowa state mm-hmm. i didn't tell my parents because i thought they were gonna just murder me <laughs> um and anyway when when i finally told them they they we're supporting to some extent. It was it was interesting. Probably a little confused. A little confused, yeah, a little lost, but supporting. And uh and they were, you know, they were like, Okay, let's go visit it. And I was like, No. No, it's not that's not it's just not visit. And they're like, Why? And I was like, I mean, I made the decision I'm going there. Like I couldn't care less what the campus looks like at this point. Right? <laughs> All right. So that was that was the summer of going into uh into my freshman year of college. And the main reason I didn't want to go is because I would have to take some weeks away from going back to Italy. Uh-huh. Because in the summertime, I'd always go back to Italy, spend time with my family, and, uh, and hang out okay. with you know with that all the old sense. friends. So I was like, you know what, I'll, I'll just accept it. I don't really care. And uh, the first time I saw the campus was when I drove, made that sixteen-hour drive up from Austin after that summer on day one of on, moving in. Yeah, day one of moving in, and it, I I remember I'll never forget this story. I was uh, at my friend's house that day, and his dad's from Iowa, and I told him I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited. I was like, I think Des Moines is a cool place, and Des Moines is the only city I knew in Iowa. And he's mm-hmm. like, Teo, Iowa State's not in Des Moines. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean it's not in Des Moines? He's like, oh, it's in Ames. And I was like, huh. Close enough. Okay. How far is that? You know? Yeah. He's like, 45 minutes north. And I was like, oh, that's, I guess that's not terrible. I was expecting like hours away, but. Yeah. Close enough. 45 yeah. minutes. Whatever. 45 minutes. So you go there, day one, you're at Iowa. Day and one. what are you majoring in? Did I, you decide at that point? So, yeah, at the time, I was uh, community and regional planning. Because I wanted to follow my dad in the UN, right? Okay. And so I wanted to do something with like NGOs or some nonprofits, some of that. Um, but I was quick to realize that that is not what I wanted to do. There was no creative aspect to it. I still, this kind of uh, entrepreneurial side was growing on me. And, and community and regional planning is so bureaucratic, so black and white. It's just reading text and interpreting the law. So I, I changed to this brand new major called interdisciplinary design and pretty much all it did is every semester you kind of um you studied like a different subject you know you could take different classes and it was a pretty open-ended major which i really like the whole idea is it was useless until you came back to get a master's in a specific Mm -hmm. field Mm -hmm. Um, but i wasn't worried people were like oh don't you worry that's you know four years wasted of your life and and to me it was like no quite the opposite It's, it's enticing that i can finish and not still exactly know what I'm going to go into the workforce with, right? See, that's that's so different from most people. Yeah. Most people are the exact opposite. Yeah. They want to know, as soon as I graduate, 
you know, most <laughs> obviously don't have a job lined up, but I think that's at least the ideal scenario. But yeah. you're saying you're opposite of that. I think people are just get a little bit too scared of uh, the future and when things are not planned. And I've always, don't know why, but I've always looked at it as like promising. Yeah. Um, it's enticing because it's exactly that. You don't know what the future holds, right? And you don't know what the possibilities that are out there. So why get so worked up about it in the moment? Right. So, all right. So you are in Iowa, got this t-shirt company called yes. Vibe, right? Yes. Okay. So where does, where does Vibe go from there? Right. So at that point, oh, I met uh, my next door neighbor in the dorm rooms just by chance. And he was this, this just brilliant guy. Um, not very creative, but just out of this world intelligent. And he kind of pitched this whole idea where he's like, you know, in Iowa, there's so much extra corn, uh, so much extra like starch based things. He's like, so much of it goes to waste. I'm pretty confident that we can create some sort of system that um, kind of aggregates all this stuff. And at the end of the year, we take it and we can convert it to shirt fibers, you know, make our own shirts out of recycled corn. And of course, as a 19 year old, this was super enticing. I was like, that sounds like the next big thing. Like yeah. I could do it. So we kind of set off on this journey to try to make this a reality quick to realize that the technology to do that was licensed or trademarked by DuPont, which is an enormous company. Mm -hmm. And to get access to it, it was like millions of dollars. So he was still interested though. He's like, I think we can do some other things. And, and we kind of joined, I joined forces with him. I brought him on um, as a co-founder and we were kind of still growing the business. So uh, we hired a few designers um and you know it just kind of kept growing month after month a little bit more sales a little bit more sales at the time technically we did have vibe but it was not uh we weren't selling this vibe at all so we were still only doing teos tees stuff mm -hmm. so we were like teos tees was the custom shirts and vibe was the actual line yeah exactly so we were just trying to get kind of money to grow because we wanted to get a warehouse and then the thing about business is when things start selling and you start like, you know, turning over it, there's just so much work to always do that for us, we were like, you know, we're doing fine like this. The line isn't our priority right now. Um, but then that summer, eventually one of the designers that we hired was so good and so invested in what we were doing and loved the idea that uh, we dissolved Teo's Tees and we reincorporated his vibe. And brought him on. So now it was three co-founders. It was myself, Manis, who was the one of the guys we hired, and then Dave, who was the my buddy I met in the dorm rooms. Um, and from there, that's that was a whole different experience. That was a whole different company. We strictly did. We I mean, we started a clothing line called Vibes, but spelled V Y B. Um, and that was an entirely unique experience. So, yeah. 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 Okay. So how how was that different? So when you. When you make a line, you're not uh, designing for people. I, that's my always my biggest argument. You're, you're kind of designing for yourself. So you design things that are meaningful, whatever your company stands for. And our entire thing was like, you know, we're a lifestyle brand. We want to like, enjoy the moments. We're creative people. So we were like very heavy on graphic tees. Like we had these really, I wouldn't call them obnoxious, but like very bright, like in your face graphic tees that people would recognize, right? Um. And after, I mean, people, people enjoyed them. We, we weren't sure, you never, you're never sure when you launch, like what to expect, what to do, but things kind of started moving quickly. We moved into this warehouse and we started doing everything in house. 
So before we were still getting our shirts printed from in Austin from one of my friends that owns a shop here. And within a year, this was uh, our sophomore year, we um, we got our own warehouse, started doing everything in, in shop. We really started pushing it in the Ames community because Ames is a very small town, city, whatever you want to call it. It's 50,000, 60,000 people. Um, and with the university at the core of it, it's easy, right? Like it's students. So if you can get the students on board, then it kind of makes it more mainstream. And then when they go home for breaks, they start wearing it. So that was our whole philosophy, just target aims. And the best feeling, I think I told you this off uh, off audio, was when you're, when you're sitting uh, in our central campus, we had this beautiful park. You'd be sitting there just talking. You would see someone walk by with one of your shirts, right? Like, yes. like wearing some button up or a jacket or one of the t-shirts. And you're just there and you're like, you know, they don't know me, but the but amount of time, I, yeah, that's my <laughs> shirt. And the amount of time I spent making this is, yeah, is really worthwhile. That's, so, that's great to hear. Yeah. Um, so then did you do Vibe throughout college or was there other ventures after that? Yeah. So simultaneously while Vibe was running, I also got brought on to um, help with this app. So uh, this guy kind of reached out to me and he was looking for a UI UX designer. So it's what you see on the app is like the facade um and so i kind of did that but the i mean the app the idea of the app was phenomenal in the sense that like if i met anyone you know at a bar or out i could add you and it would add you across all different social media platforms so like i would just look up you know whatever john smith one time john smith would pop up on facebook instagram snapchat their email skype right. whatever you wanted to showcase and you controlled that as an individual um the problem is once we started trying to integrate so facebook and instagram weren't a problem but like linkedin and skype they kept blocking us and they were like you know once you have three hundred thousand users then come back to us things oh, like that so it was okay. such a big hurdle for us to do and at the same time i was worried about running vibe and vibe was i mean my business the other one i was kind of brought on so within six months of that this uh, guy from new york kind of came in and just bought out the app nice. and that was that yeah. Um, I was kind of relieved at that point. I was pretty excited <laughs> so I could focus back on just Vibe. Vibe kept growing and then uh, our junior year started of college and I, about four or five months into it, at this point we were, I think seven people was our entire staff. Um, four or five months into it, I kind of realized that maybe it was time for me also to look for something new. I wasn't, I just wasn't waking up and enjoying it anymore um, as much as, as when I had started. And now looking back at it, I realize it's because I like the start. I like the difficult part mm. of business. Once it's up and running, and the day-to-day -day operations, it's interesting to try to grow it, but it's not as enticing as the beginning. You know, when you're tight on cash, you have to think of like ingenious ways to get the word out. You have to think of different ways to promote yourself on social media, um, and all these kinds of quirky things which you just don't think about. Right. So. Okay. So, you're running by, get a little, you know. Um, how would you call it? Unmotivated? I, yeah, distant. I distant? Think. Okay. Yeah. And so what does that lead to? So I kind of just sat down with everyone and told them the way I felt. They were – it was actually the, like, cleanest breakup I've ever had. Really? In that sense, yeah. Everyone was super understanding. Um, and I was – you know, I just sat down with Manis, who was the main designer and the co-founder. And I was like, I just – I just don't feel the same way. I don't know why. I'm not sure the reasoning. And I was like, it's nothing against you guys. It's like, I would, I'd really love to start, you know, another business with Monis, especially because he's such a determined and motivated guy. But I was like, right now, I just don't feel like this is the place for me. And they were all super great about it. Um, I mean, I helped in the future too, whenever they needed things, of course. 
but I kind of stepped away. And that same year I started uh, this other, I, I'm going to call it a company just for the sake of it right now, but it's called directed by creatives and it was a creative house. So my big issue when I started or my, my, what encouraged me to start directed by creatives was the idea that I felt like in a business, you do everything for money, right? You're always motivated by money and financial cash. Like, how am I going to expand? Right. And success is only attributed to how much money you make. Um, so with DVC, I was so intrigued and my whole concept was like, I just want to get a friend or two. I will provide all the stuff, but we just create. Like, I don't care what we do, but we just create. Just create. Just every, anything. Anything. Everything. And <laughs> that anything and everything obviously would be documented through videos and pictures because that's the best way to do it on social media, right? So I created this Instagram and I got another little tiny little warehouse in the middle of nowhere in Iowa because, you know, we have all the land in the world, so it's cheap. And I kind of found these two guys. This was the tail end of my junior year. And we just started, I mean, every, anything you can imagine from the most absurd. And, and half the stuff we didn't post because we did a terrible job at documenting it. And it wasn't great. But uh, from like one time we built a little water slide in our studio out of two by fours because we thought that'd be a great idea just cause. yeah just because like the jankiest most ghetto thing ever <laughs> like the water leaked everywhere all over the studio complete and utter failure but we tried uh then another time we did like one of those little pinball things you know we put the ball and it just kind of causes a bigger effect and a bigger effect and a bigger one right and i loved it i had the time of my life and still to this day it's up and running and it's always kind of been like my hobby whenever i get whenever i just have an excuse or a reason to do something creative Directed by creatives is the way I go. Okay. Um, and actually right now we're in the process of also rebranding that for the future to turn it into a proper business. Um, but this, so this, the start of my senior year came up, everything was kind of going well with, with directed by creatives. I was happy. I, I mean, I wasn't worried about making money at the time. So all these great things are happening. And I, then had like the one event that to this day is still like the biggest has had the biggest impact on me and biggest effect. I became friends with this, um, this guy who had an extremely successful business. And so I kind of got to see the scope of his business and, and what he did. And it was so interesting because there's different levels of success and everyone attributes success in their own way to whatever they want to. Right. But like I was saying before, a lot of people attribute it to money. And this guy was in a marketplace that was, I mean, he controlled all of it. So what was the business? So when you, <laughs> such a unique business. Um, Whenever you look at aquariums, they have on the top, it's all these lights. Um, they have these little lights and they have a wide range of, of uh, spectrum. And then if he hears this, he would probably kill me because I'm going to butcher his business plan. So I apologize. Um, but what you can do is with these different, like with the spectrum of lights, you can bring out different things in your aquarium. So like the deep blues, if I remember correctly, bring out like the algae green. Um, like the white is during the day and it kind of makes everything in the tank look really good. So it's it's a very high end and like, like luxurious um, thing. It's not like your average, I'm going to go to Petco and, and get a fish tank. You know, right. it's like someone who actually cares about Aquariums. It. Yeah, gotcha. exactly. Um, they have to, I have an actual name. I think they call it Aquarius. I probably butchered that. Yeah. Something. Same. It's some Latin root. Okay. And so his company made all these lights. Um, and uh, he also has a fascinating story. Of, he's very successful. And 
um, he knew that I, you know, my biggest passion in this world is cars. I've loved cars. I've lived for cars. Being Italian, I always was exposed to your most, you know, insane vehicles. And he'd done well enough for himself where he had quite a few of these vehicles that I think everyone uh, dreams about. So your Lamborghinis, your Ferraris, your G-Wagons, anything and everything you could imagine. Wow. He had. Yeah, it was amazing. And so he knew I was trying to do these videos and these pictures. And he was kind enough to to offer these vehicles and be like, hey, well, could you use any of these, you know, in your videos? And I was like, Pfft. Yeah, of course. Heck like, yeah, as, I can. As me and two friends who are trying to grow an Instagram account and get more followers so we can kind of become like a, this Instagram influencer thing, which now I kind of hate because I feel like everyone's doing it. Right. Um, was you're like, yeah, this is awesome. This is a great opportunity. Like, I would love to do this. I love the cars. I'd love to understand the vehicle and I would love to tape the car, you know, like film it, make a cool little edit. Um, and just things just kept growing and he was just so understanding and so helpful throughout the entire situation. And I mean, not only on that aspect, he, he gave me physical things that helped my business, but then, you know, I kind of was in his shadow, so I would see how to run a business and I saw how Got to, to run. learn from him. Yeah. And I mean, he was running a like $67 million business. So, so it was, it's a very impressive thing and, and watching how he ran it and had the dedication and commitment and the problems he solved. I mean, he was always solving problems every day. Something came up and he would just work his butt off and, you know, I'd be like, all right, this is the solution. So it was inspiring, but at the same time, he gave me access to so many things, which I didn't deserve. He did. He worked, he worked his ass off. He grew, grew the business, you know, became wealthy from it. For me, it was like, I just happened to become friends with him because he was a cool guy and we had great conversations. And then as time grew, he kind of gave me access to all these premium goods. So Such as the cars. Yeah. Which were the cars. And so, um, you know, I think things got a little bit out of hand. Uh, in a small town like that, when you drive a car and you're in college, you drive one of these cars. So you uh, were driving it around though. Yeah, I was driving it around a lot and, and word got out and, you know, just my professors thought the car was mine. My friends thought the car was mine. I mean, it, <laughs> it was just like, yeah, things got intense in a good, I mean, in a good way. Most people would be like, that's fantastic. But to me, looking back on it now, um, I think the experience itself was great. But I do think yeah, I was kind of, I mean, honestly, the best way to put it is I was living a lie. I mean, it wasn't living a lie. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't the truth. I mean, I couldn't even afford to like fill up the gas on that thing. <laughs> you know, it, when, right. when you're filling up like twice a day, I just I couldn't do it. Yeah. So what did that lead to? I mean, you're kind of doing direct by creatives. Yes. You're filming. You kind of get this lucky break of meeting this great guy who one serves <laughs> as your mentor and then two also allows you to drive around his cars, film those yeah. things, and you felt like you were living this lie. While yeah. Using those things. So my senior year just flew by. Um, when all of this started picking up, I also met my girlfriend at the time, um, and we were just all such good friends, you know, all of us, and. Directed by creatives kept growing because we had access to all these things and people were always, you know, just so curious to see what we were doing. And it got to the point where my girlfriend at the time, I remember one night pointing out she'd like never been to the beach, you know. And so my friend was like, hey, no problem. We're like, we'll fly you out. Let's go. You know, and like just like that, like a day later, we were in Belize. You know, at this, so not like yeah, Florida. Yeah, like. no, not Florida. Like out of the country, Belize. Just beautiful beach, beautiful resort. 
um, had the time of our lives. And she, I mean, that was her first speech. I was like, that's a fantastic first speech for yeah, you to experience. Incredible. Right. Yeah. But, you know, again, at the time I was a full-time student in university. So it was very hard to manage my time um, because professors would be like, you can't just leave for a week. What are you doing? And of course I, again, it was a lie. I'd be like, I won this award. I need to go claim it in Belize. Also, it was so <laughs> crazy. The whole experience was so crazy. Right. Um, but after that, before I know it, I mean, I graduated uh, a year ago, exactly almost now. And me, my girlfriend at the time and my friend went, flew to Italy. So we all went to Italy together and we kind of, you know, drove all the way up exploring all these things having the best time ever and finally made it to monaco because me and him are crazy f1 fans formula one for those who don't know is this crazy high-speed car event and so you go race. with your girlfriend and your friend who's yes. who's the friend the guy with the cars yes okay the guy with the cars we'll just call him friend for now all right fair enough. honestly friend um and so you know of course there too he he flew her out i mean i was already in italy because of my family um but it got to the point where I – it just burdened me because I know he was so well off, but I hate when people just take care of everything for you. You know, you feel you feel so so pathetic, I think, you know, to some extent. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think in the back of my mind, I was kind of struggling with this and like fighting with it. I was like, God, I wish I could offer more just like dinners or even wine or just anything like the experiences. But I, I just couldn't, quite frankly, because uh, – Because you're a college student. Yeah, because I was a college student. Yeah. And all, you know, all the while, all these experiences are helping DBC grow as well. Um, you know, like in, in Belize, it was a fantastic opportunity to just get more exposure and, and grow these things. And then in Italy, even more. And then in France and then in Monaco. Um, and then after Monaco, I had lined up this gig in Greece to go work out for three months. Um, just at the beach. I was just going to go work. My friend owns this like beach resort. And I was like, yeah, can I just come bartend there? Like it's the most gorgeous ocean you will ever see. Um, and I was like, you know, I just finished university my dad's Greek. I'm half Greek, but I don't speak Greek. I want to go there. I want to learn Greek and I want to work. And my girlfriend and my friend at the time were like, all right, we're just going to go back to Iowa because we, you know, we have work and we need to do stuff like that. Uh, and so that's really kind of when all the tension in the relationship started, you know, with the, with the friend, we kind of stopped seeing eye to eye. And unfortunately I'm very bad at communicating and keeping up to speed with people. So things just didn't happen to work out. And unfortunately now we're not as close as we used to be. Um, but that gave me a chance to kind of sit back and realize the crazy senior year that I had in university, you know, no, I think no 22 year old should be driving Lamborghinis and Ferraris and Range Rovers and taking trips to Belize. Taking trips to Belize like that, going to Monaco with a helicopter. I mean, it's just everything and anything you could imagine. Um we did. So that, I mean to this day I I I've, I've always thanked him for everything cuz the opportunities and the experiences were out of this world amazing. Yeah. And I learned so much, but um yeah, you know, that's I think awesome. it shapes you. Yeah. For sure. Okay, so at this point you're in where Greece. Greece. <laughs> yeah. Okay. The relationship has started to deteriorate. Yes. So where do you go from there? Are you trying to go? And this is after graduation, right? Yeah. So this is uh, like the time span, like July to August of this past year. Uh, that's like June to September. Okay. To be completely honest. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, and in Greece, I really started realize I really started realizing that mm, like my entrepreneur spirit was 
back in the, in the idea of creating something. So what Directive I Creators gave me was the stepping stone to realize that money wasn't a good enough incentive for me. Well, after doing Directive I Creators for a year and a half, almost two years, I realized I was like, all right, money shouldn't be the incentive, but you need to do things to get money, right? Because for Directive I Creators, our biggest purchase, for example, were drones. I was obsessed with drones. I still am. I love drones. But, you know, every drone we use, which are professional drones, you're talking about $2,000. The high-end one we have is like $7,000. So it's money and you have to get that somehow, right? right? And at the beginning of Directive by Creators, I was like, I'm just going to do everything for free. Like I did everything for free. I worked for everyone for free because I just loved it so much. And then I started realizing like drones are such a new concept still that you can really make, you know, some money just, just doing this. Um, and so in Greece, I worked for a little bit. Um, and the thing about Greece is, I mean, their economy is so bad that their pay is also just atrocious. So within a month of being in Greece, I realized I was like, this is not sustainable. I was walking, I was averaging like 12 and a half miles a day under the sun, walking with like drinks in my hand to deliver them to the people on the beach. And I was like, I'm miserable. I'm not happy. I have no time to myself. But what I did have is I had my drone, one of my drones. And so I started going around and just walked into hotels. And I was like, hey, do you want a video? I can make a really nice video of your hotel with the drone. And because I was working in this very remote town in Greece, it was such a new concept to everyone. Um, so people, everyone was just biting up on it. Yes, yes, yes. And that town was only 20,000 people. So after the first hotel, it was just hotels were lined up. So I quit my job as a bartender and I just lived in this little room and I just made drone videos all summer. And I was living, I was making like four times as much money, living like a king, enjoying it. Um, but you know, that was one aspect on the, on the other end with the, the friendship and the girlfriend in the States, I mean, long distance, regardless of a girlfriend or a friend is, is insanely difficult, right? Of Just course. because the hours, you're eight hours off. So it's when it's night here, it's it's daytime there. When it's night there, it's morning here. So it was just impossible to keep communication. And that just was taking its toll naturally as it is. I'm not going to say it was my fault. I'm not going to say it was his fault. I think, you know, in general, it, it takes a toll on people. Um, and after Greece, you know, I kind of, after my due time, I decided my parents had just moved to Holland. So I flew up to Holland and decided to post up in Holland for a while. And while my time in Holland, I flew in right away. I got this gig as a uh, junior varsity soccer coach at this high school. You know, kind of did that for a little bit, but quickly realized that like my satisfy or my like need to create and need to start a business was like overtaking me. And I was like, I, I just need to do something like back, back to my roots. And you know, just kind of out of nowhere, I contacted Manus, who is the guy that I'd co-founded the t-shirt business with. Right. And I'd always, he'd always said we wanted to start a business, another business together, but he was two years older than me, graduated two years before me. So as soon as he graduated, he kind of moved to New York to work and, you know, it just, the setting wasn't right. So I, I called him up and I kind of pitched him this idea. I was like, Hey, I've, I've been sitting on this app idea for a while. What do you think? He's a developer. I was like, do you think this is doable? Is it interesting? And he pretty much was like, this is brilliant. Like, why is no one doing it? Um, and, you know, we kind of did some work and we did find another company that was doing something similar to it. Um, and pretty much we just started talking again. We were like, let's do this full speed, you know. But again, I was in Europe. He was in New York. So the time differences in our situation, time differences were perfect because he would work. He would send me stuff. I would work. I would send it back to <laughs> him, right. you know. So the time was the time really was beneficial. And, uh, and I mean, now 
we we've officially started our business again together and that's mm-hmm. i mean here in austin here in austin texas yeah okay so, so you left Holland, came to Austin. He came from New York. Yeah, there's there's little blurbs, but I left Holland. I went. My father is a, an ambassador in Uruguay now, so I went mm-hmm. to Uruguay for about a month and a half. And really, in that time, I I spent that time to develop the idea and kind of try to figure out what the direction was, what we wanted to do. So we were talking all the time. Spent that time there to vacation with my dad, really relax because in December and January in South America, it's their summertime. So it's nice. it's beach warm. It was I mean perfect, perfect weather to you know for the creative mind. Yeah, oh, um, of course. Yeah, right. just any excuse to go to the beach, really. But then I I flew back to Austin, and I was only supposed to be back in Austin for two weeks. So I flew back in Austin, um, so that I could drive up to Iowa and surprise my girlfriend for her birthday. Um, well, funny story. I drove up to Iowa, surprised her, drove back to Austin. And when I have, I had like my flight out to, um, back to Holland and I, you know, I kind of was just like, modest. I think this is the place we need to be, you know, it's like, I think Austin's it. And pretty much I just called him and I was like, are you crazy enough to fly down here right now and work with me on this <laughs> idea? Great way to time? word that. Yeah. And modest is just like, give me a day. And I was like, I don't know what that a means. Day. Yeah. But great. <laughs> Hung out the next day. I was like, oh, what do you think? And he's just like, oh, yeah, I figure I'll come down. Like, just super nonchalant about it. Like, did not. No big deal. Yeah, no big deal at all. Yeah, I'll just pick up everything I have in New York and fly down to Austin. Uh, and he did exactly that. And and now we were working full force on, on this idea and numerous ideas, actually, which is the most exciting part. Back and to being creative, I guess. Back to being creative, yeah. And this time it's actually working out really well for us. Dude, well, that's awesome. Um, I really appreciate you telling us our, yeah. your story, and I hope you keep us up to date with whatever you and Monas have creating and whatever y'all end up doing in the future. Well, thanks for having me. All right. Appreciate it, buddy.